Hi, I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and welcome to a Brewery Pro conversation with Hop Products Australia's Sales and Marketing Manager, Owen Johnston. The 2020 Hop Harvest Report has been released, and it was a mixed year for HPA, with some varieties including Galaxy up significantly, and others such as Vic Secret down. We talk a lot in the brewing industry about beer being an agricultural product, and this hop harvest truly demonstrates that. So I wanted to discuss with Owen the 2020 hop harvest in detail, what led to the result, but also the development and evolution of the Australian hop industry since we first spoke with HPA on our podcast almost 10 years ago. It's an interesting deep dive into hop growing and the vagaries of a growing season, what the results mean for brewers in terms of availability, and a look back over 10 years of growing hops. Owen Johnson, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thanks, Matt. Great to be back talking about the uh, the 2020 crop year and uh, and the harvest results. Matt, absolutely. Look, it, it, it's our annual conversation about how things are going uh, down at Ross Trevor and Bushy Park. But I guess before we get into the harvest, um, you know, just sort of check in with how things are going. You know, this year was a little bit different given the circumstances you were harvesting in. Yeah, absolutely. Even even taking a step back from um, from the impacts of the COVID situation, you know, we had the very serious bushfires um, around the hop farms in in the high country Victorian area, and the farms were impacted. You know, I think um, our Buffalo River sites were evacuated three times um, in early January. Uh, you know, there was a level of anxiety and 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 uh, uncertainty kicking around that it was it was just palpable you know it was really affecting people and um you know it was really nice to come out of that and say that our our people and our infrastructure and our crop were uh were unaffected well un, <laughs> undamaged uh people were certainly affected uh but we were able to you know push through that pretty traumatic episode and um and then bringing the crop to its conclusion and entering harvest and then uh and then, uh, you know, getting hit with um, more uncertainty as this COVID situation, you know, sort of uh, really kicked off and navigating our way through harvest with uh, with the additional, um, you know, uh, hygiene procedures and um, the impacts on scheduling and, and staff movements and, you know, all the all the consideration around how we how we navigate through harvest whilst uh, trying to look after the health and safety of our people. Um, you know, it was really, really outside of my previous experience. It was really quite a challenging period of time. Now, did the bushfires, I know you weren't directly affected by flame, but certainly, uh, you know, uh, Buffalo um, River was very affected by smoke. Did that have any impact on, on the hops themselves? Yeah, both the Ovens Valley and the Buffalo River Valley oh, right. were, were, were chock-a-block for smoke. I mean, as the crow flies, they're just over the over the ridge of, uh, of Mount Buffalo and, uh, you know, three quarters of Mount Buffalo itself was on fire there at one point. So it's, um, you know, it was really close to home. Um, we're so lucky, uh, so fortunate that um, that hops do not seem to be smoke affected. We've got uh, really comprehensive precedent around the world in other growing regions where they've had significant um, wildfires, you know, Yakima and um, the Czech Republic and whatnot that, uh, that, uh, they just don't pick up any sensory impact from from smoke, uh, you know. And I really feel for some of the neighbouring industries, and in, in, you know, whether it was wineries or others that um, were affected in that way. We we're exceptionally fortunate that we we come through that unscathed. 
Now, let, let's turn to the 2020 uh, hop harvest report. Um, do you want to give us the headline figures? Yeah, look, it's, um, you know, I guess this season's really redefined what I think is a successful harvest. And and I say that because we did face such challenges on the on the personal front, uh, you know, in the growing season itself was pretty challenging. Um, throw in a couple of, you know, world-class calamities with big fires and a, and a pandemic. And um, the fact that we've got our people and our, our crop through that is, is simply right there. That's the definition of successful harvest for me. <laughs> by the numbers, <laughs> and I think no one's going to disagree with that, but by the numbers, it's also a pretty good news story. So uh, we continue to build our um, overall volume. Uh, again, 5.5% increase on, uh, on the previous year for total production. And um, in in the uh, headline hop galaxy, uh, you know, a really solid almost thirteen percent increase year on year for galaxy itself. Bit of a um, you know the subtext there is is a bit of a mixed bag behind that, um, and uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk to that uh, down the track. Yeah, well, I, I guess the the headline figure when you said that it was up uh, five and a half percent in terms of uh, tonnage. It was up to 1.554 metric tons, um, and I just uh, to, to have a little bit of um, looking back uh, for for this chat. I, I dug out the 2010-2011 uh, Harvest report, and just looking down, you know, casting an eye down to um, the, the hops that were grown in Tasmania, for example, Super Pride, Pride of Ringwood, Millennium, and then other. Um, and I guess Galaxy was hidden in that other. Um, category and there was 66.4 metric tons of other hops grown and uh galaxy was 908 metric tons it's uh, alone this year Mm, god yeah that's uh that's incredible isn't it uh the business was a different beast back then and in that other we you know cast your minds back to um helga and summer may they rest in peace uh and galaxy would have been in that bag as well so a tiny quantity of others as this business Really, really trying to at that point just tr- made, making those decisions to pivot, trying to um, get some oxygen into into products that fitted what we what we saw and what we knew was the new uh, you know trend toward hop forward beers. Um, the Australian craft beer industry was was very different looking back then, and um, yeah, I mean, wow, that's uh, that's really excellent, and and that's not even the lowest point at which we hit our our lowest production. Um, was I think 2014 at about 700 tonnes in total. And that was a very deliberate um, transitional year, really important year for the business to in, in the move away from alpha and into flavour. Um, as, as you can imagine, as we grub out varieties that are, are ceasing and we plant new varieties, so let's say we're grubbing Millennium because there's a contract to supply alpha to a global brewer that ends and we want to bring more galaxy to the market, uh, we drop a year of production and then we say uh, like a 50% discount or a 25% discount on the second year's production. So we lose this momentum momentarily as we, as we uh, churn out old varieties and in with the new. So it's a, it's a nice snapshot. Thanks for digging that out. Oh, okay. uh, well, it's, a, it's a nice snapshot. I'll, I'll link to it in the notes, but I also uh, will link to, I, I dug out the chat we had with um, Tim Lord back in 2011 that goes for about half an hour and sort of talks widely. He, he mentioned summer and how that was a, uh, it was summer and another hop uh, when he listened back that had an apricot, he sort of tasting, had big hopes for it. But of course it's, um, uh, 
gone the way of the dodo as well. Um, but then we, we have seen uh, hops like uh, Galaxy just explode and Victoria's Secret Nella um, really emerge um, over that time. Although, uh, so, so I'll, I will link to that chat with Tim and we'll also come back to a little excerpt from that chat um, that we'll talk to a little bit later in this conversation. But let's um, talk about the production volumes by uh, variety. So... Um, Galaxy was up 12.9, but then we also saw some um, backwards movement on Vic Secret, Ella, um, and Enigma. Um, talk us through that. Was was that yield was down, or did you reduce the plantings of it? Yeah, so it's really important to. There's a couple of things I'd like to really talk to here. It's really important for, uh, I think, for us to acknowledge um, what agricultural variation really means, and and that means that. Most years we will see some varieties post negative results, which is um, which is which is a, a nod of the hat to the fact that different varieties respond differently to to different seasonal conditions. And and so um, let me give you an example of that. Let's say uh, Enigma and Cascade are our first varieties to mature and come off the paddocks in Tasmania here. Now, if we have a cold um, spring you know, some adverse conditions in spring and they get those two varieties get a slow start, it really impacts on on their opportunity to mature into a big crop. Uh, you know, it's less significant for a later maturing variety. They simply get more days on the string to um, to come into their window. So, you know, we saw a bit of that uh, seasonal responses in, in different varieties. Um, the other the other uh, the other point here is that um, what we uh, what we did not do was grub out any of these varieties. We are not pulling our backing from these varieties that are showing as coming in under budget, so or under uh, last year's uh, production. So, you know, Big Secret plays a really significant role in our future, and, and we're backing that variety with uh, expanded quantities, new land, and and the fact that it's nine point seven percent down year on year is not in any way an indication that we are uh, taking wind out of its sails. It is simply a seasonal um, a seasonal effect, and, and we need to acknowledge that that is the reality of farming. Now, uh, you know, I am somewhat so lucky enough to occupy a space between an agricultural business and fitting an agricultural variable product into manufacturing, and manufacturing just loves certainty and consistency. <laughs> and uh, so I've got, to, I've got to navigate some of these results. And one of the ways in which we... We navigate um, negative uh, year on year, or, or um, you know, under expectation is that is that um, we'll only contract up to eighty five percent of what we think that year's production is going to be, and and what you'll see is that running down the list there, Ella got pretty close to fifteen percent down, but it didn't get there. Mm-hmm. And for me, this is a really important point because our contracts out there are our promise, um, and we are able to fill every contract. Um, that we hold this year and for me that's um, both personally and professionally a really important point to make uh, it doesn't put any any less uh, emphasis on the fact that um, we're going to have a very small short-term availability for some of these hops and so inherently some people are going to miss out um, the not not every brewery business wants to fit with HPA by contracting and, and we have to acknowledge that the short-term availability plays a really important role in the proper function of the marketplace and that some brewers and some business models rely on 
um, on different ways to um, ensure their supply. So not taking anything away from those that miss out. It's, it, is, it is the reality of the system, but we do have mechanisms in place to try our very best to fulfil our promises um, on the contracts that we hold. And I'm pleased to say that we've done that this year. But if you're a, like a, even a small brewery that doesn't have contracting in your model and you've got your number one flagship beer, um, you know, based on Ella, for example, you'd be staying up at night, I'd imagine. Yeah, yep, that could be a serious source of concern. And, and I've been banging the drum now ever, since day one working with HPA and it is get in touch, stay in touch, talk to your hop supplier, whoever they are, and... Um, and let them know what's important and let them know, you know, if you're long or if you're short. And the, it is literally our job to connect those that need with those that have. And uh, what we're doing right now um, is the whole HPA uh, sales force is uh, focused on going through our waitlisted customers and quantities. Uh, you know, so these are the people who, when a variety has hit the 85% contract mark, we take their demand. We're in conversation with them. They tell us what they need. We, we can't, we're not at liberty to contract because we've hit our 85% mark. We take them to what we call the wait list. And now we're actually actively going to the waitlisted customers and, and filling their needs. And, and that's a really tough time to be doing that. You know, I, I, I'm personally really challenged by this element because I'm going out to my friends and colleagues out there and, and asking them to support me and contract their waitlisted quantities now in the middle of this, of this uh, you know, coronavirus crisis and, um, and the hospitality shutdown. And, and it is really challenging. And, it's, and, it's, and although it feels um, a little bit of a uh, – it's a little bit tone deaf, I think, and, and it feels very uncomfortable sometimes. It, it is our opportunity to actually fulfil their stated needs. So um, in the natural cycle of things, if people are um, certain of certain volumes they can hops and recipes are stable, et cetera, then, then they can contract with confidence um, for what I couldn't offer them, uh, you know, a few months ago previous to the harvest. Mm. So, uh, well, mate, talk us a little bit about um, – it, it, it's surprising because you, you see Galaxy was up 12.9%. Was that growing season or was that the increased um, acreage? Uh, that's uh, mainly acreage-based. Um, uh, overall yield on Galaxy was actually, uh, you know, pretty much bang on to um, our uh, forecasts. And, um, and acreage increases and, and maturity of, of recent plantings has all uh, contributed to that, <clears throat> excuse me, contributed that, to that result. Because I guess most brewers think of hops in terms of the brewing attributes, you know, the alpha acids, the aromas, the, the things that they that make their beers what they are, but they don't tend to think of the varieties as having, um, you know, being impacted by exactly the same growing conditions can have different, um, you know, uh, outcomes for different hops. Yes, it's one of those kind of things that at some point brewers need to focus on their job, and that's like running plant, making beers, um, running the brewery efficiently and effectively. And and when certainly when I was running breweries, I had to draw a line in the sand somewhere where I just didn't need to know about uh, about uh, you know plant biology at a certain <laughs> level. You know, I just sort of I had other chemistry I needed. I had ferment chemistry to get me around. I didn't need to be worrying about uh agronomics and and i completely understand that and that is absolutely central to why we want 
our customers, our brewing customers to come on farm just for a morning or a day or an afternoon in the middle of harvest and go deep with us. Let me, let me just unload everything I know about hops and hop farms and, and processing and impacting beer and what we can do to assist brewers getting bang for their buck and, and, and let me, let me try and, you know, not just uh, turn you into a, an HPA convert, but, uh, also leave your head spinning with um, heaps of new information and and uh, an insight into what it takes to stand a crop up and get it to a brewery in excellent condition because uh, it is fascinating and um, and like I say brewers have got brewers have got their priority focus right there in front of them in stainless steel and beer and uh, and and I think harvest time visitors which which we had more planned this year than ever before. Uh, unfortunately, we shut the farms to visitors. Just as, all yeah. yeah, just as harvest was, uh, I think we were 10 days in or something and we shut the farm and, and all non-essential personnel were uh, promptly uninvited. So, uh, unfortunately, but we really do look forward to hosting our brewers back on, back on farm next year. But I guess, uh, and, and the reason I ask that question is, I guess, whilst brewers need to know how to use hops in their beer, um, when they're thinking about their business, um, it, it, it helps to understand the, the, the hop growing business, for example, because, um, you know, Galaxy has a certain harvest window and you guys can't just suddenly throw in, you know, even if you could get um, acreage under hops, um, the harvest window is very small and you can't just suddenly scale up all of the downstream processing um, capacities to, to cater to that production um, because of the agronomics of, of a hop like Galaxy, mm, yeah, I agree. I agree on all points there. Uh, you know, to the to the first comment, I think it is really important, as much as possible, for for uh, brewing businesses to understand um, the businesses that supply them, and that, that's a that's a supply chain and a procurement perspective. Where if you understand your suppliers' pressures and what their capabilities are, you can make smart decisions for your own business, and whether that's decisions about um, splitting supply between a couple of a couple of suppliers, or um, or uh, planning NPD, and you know that your glass manufacturer is only capable of this supply lead time or that bottle shape or colour. You know these are important nuances in your supplier that will will or should influence the way you approach uh, running your own business. So definitely an understanding as it relates to the hop farm. An understanding of how our business operates and what our capabilities are is really important. And um, you know, to your second point about harvest window, uh, you know, in the in the crop report we've got a uh, forecast production total and and splitting out Galaxy individually. And you'll see the Galaxy tops out uh, under the current plans, the exp- current expansion plans. It basically tops out at about uh, 1,250 tons in um, 2023. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that really is an acknowledgement to the capability and capacity to to responsibly manage that harvest window. And with our configuration of three uh, picking complexes or running pairs of Danhauer pickers, you know, we can service a certain amount of total acreage. And in that is a responsible harvest window for Galaxy. And uh, that ensures that we're delivering a product to the market called Galaxy that performs as expected and, and is and is perceived as good value because you get great impact in beer. And we need to be really mindful of the things that we can do on farm and uh, to achieve that and, and a responsible picking window is one of them. That's not to say that, uh, you know, uh, as we get further down this expansion path, um, another 
you know, another farm, another picking complex, another set of acreage serviced by new pickers and therefore another harvest window that we can fill up with Galaxy could become a reality. And like, I certainly hope so. And I, I, um, uh, you know, I can honestly see uh, post-COVID uh, world where um, great beers are uh, hammering through taps all across the country and, um, and, and the outlook for consumption and therefore hops is, is you know, once again, bright and shiny. Well, mate, actually, that's a, a good chance to play the, the excerpt from the chat I had with Tim Lord back in September 2011 when we were talking about that report because I, I asked him the question, uh, you know, whether the growth that we'd seen in the um, demand for hops was going to see more players coming in. He basically said, well, look, we've still got excess capacity. So I'll just quickly play that and then we can have a bit of a chat about it uh, on the other side. Um, well, the industry here in Australia is it's um, you know it's it's been in a it's been in a state of decline for for decades. I mean we uh, you know Australian growers were producing Australian varieties um, which were, for example, um, supporting um, breweries overseas when uh, Fosters had interests overseas and when other breweries were were uh, having beer made under licence overseas. And with the sale of overseas interests and uh, with uh, the reduction in the amount of um, um, beer that's being made under licence overseas, that, that has been contracting for a period of time. So it's been a combination of um, reducing bitterness levels, reducing demand, uh, reducing beer volumes being drunk. So the industry's been in decline for, for quite a long period of time. So there's, there's quite a lot of infrastructure in place um, which would handle you know, increased area under trellis here uh, already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in terms of uh, opportunities for others to come into the industry, uh, we still have we still have quite a, a capacity to expand, I guess, within the bounds of existing infrastructure. And by existing infrastructure, I mean existing farms, existing trellising systems, um, existing ability to harvest, to pick, and dry the hops. Um, so. Uh, that's of course what we're trying to achieve. Um, we're trying to transition Hop Products Australia from being predominantly a, a grower of uh, high alpha hops for sale to predominantly commercial brewers, both domestically and overseas. And um, we are we are riding that decline, or if you like, making uh, making uh, that that decline is actually creating the space for us to expand into these other areas. And I see that that uh, that decline will continue. And um, so our expansion of uh, these varieties that we spoke to, our Galaxy, our Stellar, our Summer, um, uh, is something that we'll be uh, pursuing. And uh, we've still got quite a, we've, we've still got quite some capacity to uh, expand these varieties significantly. Um, I guess for just while I mention that, the other thing we're doing is uh, increasingly growing uh, areas of uh, varieties such as uh, Cascades and Willamettes, and uh, we're seeing a, a good demand there for basically import replacements for varieties that have gained popularity here in recent years. Um, so we've uh, we've put in quite an area of uh, Cascades over the last few years, and we'll be planting more of those this year. So. Um, it's a combination of what we're doing here is a is a combination of um, sort of import replacements and also uh, growing up these new varieties and um, and it, it's targeted more so at the craft sector. There you go. It's kind of a bit of a time capsule, isn't there? You hear some old friends and uh, cascade. Yeah, what a uh, what a fabulous little snippet. And uh, I reckon Tim Lord comes uh, second to Matt Kirkegaard for loving to talk. <laughs> Second only to Matt. <laughs> well, I actually had to cut that uh, cut that 
um, section down just to, just to get those uh, um, relevant parts in there, but it went on for a bit. And I, I will I've put the whole um, interview uh, in, into the show notes so you can go back and listen to it. But Yeah, geez. fabulous. What are, so what was that, 2010? That was 2011, September 2011. 2011. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And, um, and uh, you know, the, the commentary there around um, – there's a couple of things that really stood out. The commentary around declining alpha, creating the space for HBA to pivot into um, into flavour, you know, and, and the import replacement side of things didn't quite come off for us. And we, we've charted our course in fully unique, differentiated varieties like Galaxy. Um, there was no there was no import substitution in mind when when Galaxy uh, was commercialised. Um, and the other one that stood out to me there was that uh, underutilisation of the existing. Um, trellising and, and other you know hot processing asset, assets in the industry. And by the time we got to 2014, we uh, reinvested in our farms and spent in the vicinity of 30 million dollars between 2014 and 2017. The majority of which went into uh, reinvigorating farm asset infrastructure and processing capacity and updating the farm. And you know it was a really necessary spend at that point because the industry had been in decline for so long it was getting mission critical um to uh to, to allow us to keep standing the crop up to reinvest in the business obviously some acreage got bolted on as well um and and shortly thereafter we we've moved into this still current second round of expansion which uh which is another 35 million dollars and that is more orientated on uh brand new land and brand new trellising and brand new picking facilities um and I'd say that the guys responsible for that inside of HBA have just done a magnificent job. And um, some of the feedback from our, our brewing visitors on farm up there in the high country of Victoria before the shutdown was, uh, was you know, general astoundment and how far we've come in the Buffalo River complex and associated land. So really, really pleasing turnaround from Tim's from Tim's uh, insightful commentary back in uh, 2011. Well, I mean, even when the, the photos were sent through, the, uh, including the one I'll run with the as a cover of this um, uh, chat, um, we look at that beautiful historic text kiln uh, down at Bushy Park um, that, that goes back to the early days of, of hops. And I was struck with when the aerial photo, you, you look across in the background and that's all under trellis. I think the first time I went there was probably about 12 or 13 years ago. And that was basically just, um, I, I don't, I'm not even sure what they were using it for. They, they might've even been using it for cattle um, at, at that stage. And now it's suddenly all under trellis. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's been an amazing turnaround. And I think, um, I think just prior to my start with the business, we, you know, maybe we got down to something like 85 hectares under trellis at Ross Trevor in Victoria. And I it might've been down to 150 hectares at Bushy Park. You know, Bushy's now 260 and the Victorian um, valleys total up to um, something like 450 and increasing year on year. Uh, so it, 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 those two photos, and, and I, I look forward to actually seeing the, seeing the shot you mentioned. And it, what a great uh, juxtaposition of the, of the industry and, and of the fortunes of, of HPA uh, just in a, in, a, in a couple of photos like that. It's fabulous. So let, let's um, get back. Sorry, I had you on mute while I coughed. Um, OJ, let's get back to the uh, to the hop harvest. So looking um, at, at the, the the numbers, you've got supply. Some of them you don't have as much um, for the spot market as you as you as you would like. What's your advice to brewers um, looking at the numbers? 
I think I think the advice remains pretty consistent. It's um, especially given the uncertainty around at the moment. It's it's be in conversation with us. Um, understand your outlook as best as possible, and and uh, you know look to us for assistance with things like uh, suggested flexibility in recipes. If we do come up with a hard stop on something, if we do actually run out of a variety. Uh, we we are not out of options, and I, I would I would say that uh, we've deliberately structured our team of uh, of of brewers um, to service our brewing customers' needs. We have um, we have great resource in technical uh, and great horsepower in supply chain, and and you know I would say that it's not all doom and gloom. Short term um, tightness of supply around a single variety, I, I hope would not be the end of a, of a beer or uh, end of a relationship between one of our hops and that beer. Uh, so, you know, I would say stay in touch and we'll, we'll navigate this, um, we'll navigate this situation together. Now, the, the one other thing that jumped out in the report was the experimental variety, HPA 016, 24 um, metric tonnes harvested this year. How close are we getting to a name for that one? Oh, very close, <laughs> very, very, very close. Um, so we had uh, we had planned to uh, name this up at Good Beer Week this year. Um, we've sort of just put that on the back burner for the moment, and and, and I think uh, I think uh, I might be the only person in the whole business who doesn't feel pressure to name this thing, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> because because for me the reality of it is that. Uh, I want to see it in brewers' hands, regardless of name or number. Um, I want to see it stand up in beer, regardless of uh, what we're calling it. Um, and, and nothing stops us doing that. And we've got a great result. The, the, the harvest came in well under, well over expectation. The quality, you know, in terms of uh, average alphas and oils looks fantastic. Um, and we're going to go hell for leather getting that in people's hands and into their beers. And, um, and I look forward to some, some really great conversations and some good feedback about that hop and and frankly the more people see it the more we understand performance in beer the better um and uh you know i, I think there's absolutely nothing holding us back from from um making the most of that great you know harvest result now just the, the one question and this is putting on the crisp uh gazing into the crystal ball a little bit you know one of the big issues that people are talking about um, when we're not talking about COVID-19 is, uh, you know, sustainability, environment, global warming. What, what's your read on how changes are uh, affecting hop growth? Yeah, um, it's a tricky one. And I think we've got, um, we've got some advantages here in, in Australia in our, in our regions um, that, we, that we're growing in. I think for me, climate change is, is sort of being boiled down to more frequent extreme events, and that's definitely a threat. It's definitely, um, you know, we had a we had a 15-minute hailstorm in 2016 that cost us something like 40% of our big secret crop. You know, it was very localised, very microclimatic. Um, those sorts of things, as an example, might become a little more frequent. You know, bushfires um, is on everyone's mind. So you know, how do we plan for that? Um, how do we how do we mitigate risk in the supply chain around that? Well, we we have a diversity of growing regions. We uh, you know, if, for instance, with Galaxy, we grow it on all three valleys now. Um, 
So if one one takes a knock, you know, we, we're not knocking the entire supply chain of Galaxy. Uh, so hopefully there's some resilience built in there. Um, we have, uh, in, in terms of helping brewers continue along with their beers, we, we have, um, you know, this idea of, of recipe flex. Now, it might not be ideal, and the, and the uh, Puritans out there will uh, be looking to string me up, but, you know, the, the idea that um, uh, you could, say, pull 20% of your, um, your galaxy out of a recipe and we could navigate a satisfactory flavour outcome, um, you know, extend your, your galaxy that you have got available, uh, and slip in in a mix of others to uh, bolster that hop mill up, um, and, and still get a great product out the door. Um, you know, I think that's I think that's part of what we can offer in terms of um, business continuity there. So there's no real concern. You know, we, we read stories about you know grape varieties that have never traditionally been grown in Tasmania, growing in Tasmania. That's not a concern. You know, those sorts of climate um, impacts aren't a concern for. Uh, you know, hops because they're more day length, which isn't going to change. Yeah, let's tick off a couple of major items there. One is day length, and and latitude uh, is is a is a very strong determinant of success for the hop crop. Um, and of course, water availability is um, as important as always. And uh, in Australia, is a big, basically a big dry country in the most part, and um, there's no accident that all of our three main valley floors have their own river systems you know bushy park is 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 bisected by the Styx river and bordered by one of tassie's big four rivers you know there's there's no there's no accident or chance in that um that's very deliberate um through the foresight of uh, some uh, some very early people shoebridge himself back in the 1860s planting the first block of hops in the junction of the sticks and the Derwent. very fortuitous and sensible choice um you know, in, in, and in terms of uh, the creep of average temperatures, I I think, you know, and, and I'd have to defer to bigger brains than mine and uh, Dr. Simon Whitty could have an opinion on this for sure and we can circle back on him at a later date. I think as long as we get the adequate uh, seasonal shifts in diurnal temperature difference, that is, as long as the days are warm and the, and the nights are cold, the plants will pick up signal. And they'll they'll progress through their life cycles and maturity will come on and will go into harvest in a in a proper sequence. I don't think that the shift up of the average temperature is going to be disastrous to a hop variety, especially one bred and selected, crossed, cultivated, you know, selected in the local climate. You know, we run breeding programs both at the Tasmanian location and in Victoria, so we're getting we're getting a really really good uh, inherent protection from creep if you like temperature creep at that point um nothing that's that's not heat tolerant will get selected in victoria let's put it that way because we know that those heights of summer temperatures in victoria are all top 40 degrees you know three or four days in a row typically and and the plants have to be able to withstand that uh or they don't make it through the program so you know i think i think i think the average the increase in average temperature isn't a game changer necessarily for us. Um, we have we have mechanisms by which we can navigate that. Uh, we've got the inherent natural advantage of of latitude and water availability to to surf through. Uh, so, like you know, I, I definitely don't mean to sound blasé about it, um, but I think we're positioned as well as we can be at this point. 
Terrific. Now, before I let you go, is there anything else that uh, brewers need to know about the 2020 hop harvest or anything that you'd, you'd uh, like to share with them? Uh, look, we've been through quite a few details on it. And one thing we haven't really talked about is a predictor of impacting beer. And, you know, while yield numbers are up and down and whatnot, um, what I can say is that is that on the main, we have, uh, have some outstanding alphas and oils. And, um, and uh, I, in my crystal ball, I see some really good flavour outcomes in beer from the outcomes of our 2020 crop. And I'm really looking forward to getting that out there and getting that in people's hands. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out and having a beer, uh, but to, to try some more with the 2020 hops uh, even more so. That's it, mate. Stay connected to your local, support local, and um, have that conversation with your local brewers. When are you getting that 2020 crop in? You know, tell me. I want to come down and drink it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, actually, just on that, was there much of an impact on the green hop program this year? Uh, no, not specifically. We, um, we, we average about 50, uh, participants a year. Uh, that was pretty, pretty steady. Um, we'll look to modify how we roll out the 2021 green hop program. Um, we just see, just see this big wide country of ours just presents some real logistical challenges as far as that particularly perishable product that is green hops go and we're going to, we're going to go back to the drawing board a little bit for next year. So, uh, I look forward to bringing that to the to the customers again and the brewers again and see what see what they make of it. Terrific. Well, we look forward to covering that. Owen Johnson, thank you very much for joining us on uh, this edition of Brewery Pro. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it, mate.